Hi there, everyone. I'm Nathaniel Wireman, currently a junior at McLean High School, and I'll be one of next year's editor-in-chiefs of the Clan Yearbook at McLean High School, where Megan Percival is my advisor. Ms. Percival, today's guest on the Yearbook Wise podcast, is always supporting us in creating the best book we possibly can. She's very encouraging, and although it's difficult to get everything completed before a deadline, Ms. P guides us through the process every step of the way. I want to say thank you to Ms. P for always helping us achieve our best work. Okay, here's the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. My name is Mike Simmons. I advise the Tesserae Yearbook at Corning Painted Post High School in Corning, New York. And it's uh, great to be back with you after uh, a couple of weeks layoff. Uh, School's out, almost. We uh, had our last day of classes yesterday, and we're in about a week and a half of finals leading up to graduation. And uh, and then we'll be out of here on uh, the evening of June 22nd. It's been a great year, a really successful one for Tesserae, and uh, we had a great rollout of the yearbook uh, just just a couple weeks ago. I um, was able to sit down last night for a conversation with one of my best friends, Megan Percival, the uh, third of the yearbook besties trifecta. And I think that you're going to find this episode, uh, especially if you're a a newer advisor or one uh, whose program is is maybe going through some changes or or growing pains, I think you're going to find this episode really useful. Um, We cover everything from uh, staff leadership and establishing uh, positive staff culture and traditions to getting ready for the year ahead. Um, It's a, a wide ranging conversation and one that I think you're going to find really illuminating. I'm really grateful for, for Megan's perspective and uh, the time that she spent with me for it. I, I think you're going to enjoy the listen. I should note that when we were recording, I was having a couple issues with the, uh, the software that I've been using. I'm a one-man show and not an audio producer, so uh, please forgive uh, any of the uh, ups and downs in this episode. Uh, hope to do better next time, but uh, it's still, I think it's a, a pretty good listen. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Megan Percival of the Yearbook Besties. All right. First of all, uh, Megan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, you're the last of the Yearbook Besties. And I know that I buried the lead with Aaron and Carrie in their episodes, but I wanted you to start by telling listeners um, a little bit about what the three of you have done in the last couple of years and um, also totally shameless plug for a phenomenal resource online at um, yearbookbesties.com, correct? Yeah, yeah. well, so tell sure. tell me a little bit about that. Um, so Aaron and I work in the same school district right outside of Washington, D.C. in Fairfax County, and we have the same yearbook rep. And so over time, we started seeing each other at different events, and eventually we got the good fortune to be assigned to teach the same class to kind of co-teach at a summer workshop. And we found out that we were uh, better together than we were apart, that we were really good co-teachers and that we both really loved yearbook and loved the helping kids, whether they were our own or other schools, um, make great yearbooks. And so we had a lot of fun um, working at different uh, summer workshops uh, with you as well, Mike, and uh, started presenting together. 
um, at national conventions as well. And then Carrie uh, was somebody that we got to see on occasion at a couple of different workshops. And um, we found that when the three of us worked together, it was even better. So it was one of those things of, you know, separated, we do some pretty great things, but together it really was just kind of magical. And so we started presenting together and found that we wanted to share our resources. So many people in the journalism community had been so generous with us, and we wanted to do the same thing when when students or advisors asked us at conventions and things to, to share. But it was really hard to do it because things were... Uh, really crazy when we'd get back to school after being away for some time and files were really large. And so Aaron became the tech genius and figured out the website stuff. And um, together, we just kind of coordinated where we'd be able to post different resources. Um, usually after convention, we're good about kind of updating. And um, after summer, we'll we'll post some new stuff as well. Um, and it's been great that we've been able to kind of point people to another resource and, and be able to do something that lots of advisors have done for us in our years of just being incredibly generous with things that have worked for them and being able to share it with our own kids when we get back in our own classrooms. Awesome. And one of the reasons that I wanted to mention it right off the top is that I think, I suspect that as we kind of go into this uh, advisors 101 or advisors FAQ kind of this episode is all like advisors potpourri uh, yeah. in the summer that there there could be uh, resources that you make mention of um, perhaps sure. that that would be at yearbookbesties.com um, I've got to say I'm a huge fan my kids use the resource and and I think advisors who are listening you may find that uh, some of the resources on 50 ways to tell a story or 50 ways to find a story are great. Um, they, they are, uh, sorry, Megan, they're in PDF format, right? Yes. So they're mm -hmm. great PDFs for your staffs to uh, engage with and, and maybe use uh, in a kind of a reteaching capacity um, in your own lab. Now, Megan, before we go too, too far, again, I want to roll back just a little bit. Could you briefly describe um, your history and background with your books and, and, and how you got to McLean and where you are today? Sure. Well, I started in yearbooks because I got an invitation my freshman year of high school to join the yearbook staff. And I was incredibly flattered. I have no idea if they sent an invitation to absolutely every single member of the freshman class, but I thought it was amazing. Um, and I thought it was so amazing that I decided to take gym in summer school so that I could take yearbook as a sophomore. Okay. Um, I ended up becoming editor of my high school yearbook um, and thought that would be the end of my story because I am a social studies teacher, knew that's what I wanted to do when I went to college and pursued that and got a job right out of college teaching um, social studies. But in January of my first year of teaching, uh, the yearbook advisor came and knocked on my trailer door and nobody came out to the learning cottages very often. So she was a surprise visitor. And I was the senior class sponsor and working with one of the yearbook editors in that capacity. And I guess she thought I was doing a pretty good job. And she wanted to know if I would consider taking over the yearbook. She had been doing it for five years and was ready for a change and um, wanted to leave it in good hands and thought that maybe I would be the person. Um, and I immediately said, yes, absolutely. I definitely wanted to do it. Um, she told me to think about it over the weekend. So I did um, and told her, of course, I wanted to do it. And um, that was 19 years ago. So I just wow. completed my 19th book. Um, so I got incredibly lucky um, because, you know, 
my advisors all told me I would never teach psychology and your book was definitely out of the realm of possibility. I'm not an English teacher, um, but I've been doing it for 19 of my 20 years of teaching. So awesome. really, really lucky. That's yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and ever so briefly, um, tell the audience uh, what the, the tagline and kind of the background was with your 2018 book that you just released. Our tagline was, there's more than one way to McLean. And it was the idea that McLean, which is a noun, could also be a verb. Like, how do you do it? Um, how do you McLean? So looking at that diversity of experience and how, while we all kind of inhabit the same space at the same time, we're all doing it a little bit differently. And that's kind of okay and something to be celebrated. And I think you might have just given us the, uh, the, the title for this episode because there is absolutely more than one way to your book, is there not? Oh, that is so true. Yeah, yeah you've got to look at the kids in front of you and the school you're making a book for and your experience and you know the time commitment that you can give to it. There is absolutely more than one way. Right. And I, and I swear to you, audience, listeners, that was not <laughs> free planned at all. <laughs> That's the perfect segue. <laughs> um, but let's let's talk about that. You know, you, you know, we're, we're dear friends and, and you know my program at Tesserae. We've got mm -hmm. uh, 46 kids on staff. We meet as a class twice a day, um, roughly, you know, 23 kids and 23 kids and, and split. My editors double up uh, when they can. Um, can you, that's kind of my baseline. Um, can you yeah. hit yours? Just Mine's pretty similar okay. to, I have 55 kids this year. It's usually anywhere between 50 and 60 kids. I have two class periods, one that meets every day for 45 minutes and the other that meets every other day for 110 or something. Um, my editors take both classes. So that's really helpful. Um, but I know we're, you and I are ridiculously lucky in the size of our staffs and the fact that we get editors to commit to more than one class period, right. um, you know, working with advisors around the country at summer workshops who are doing it as an after school activity or with really tiny staffs. I have just the utmost respect and admiration because it's a lot of work, even when you have kids, you know, every day. Right. Um, so, yeah, there <laughs> I, I know I'm very lucky in that regard. And we really aim with this episode, I think, to unpack uh, a lot of this Um I, as I explained in the intro, uh, a lot of the content for this episode is sourced from uh, one of the many uh, Facebook groups that has really sprung up in the last, it feels like to me, like the last year and a half or so. But we've got questions coming in from all over the country around everything from leadership to organization to structure to um, motivation and staff culture, um, all of which are things that that you, I, I call you, I've heard other people call you too, so I'm going to say that it's a thing. <laughs> Uh, you're like a, an advisor whisperer, and I just know that this is so such a, an area of strength for you. Um, I'm excited to explore this. Um, let's start out talking about staff. Um, Brittany yeah. Hilgers uh, is an advisor. She and, and Ben Cole, another advisor, had very similar questions about um, recruitment and retention. Um, Brittany had said online on Facebook, uh, your book is a lot of work. How do you retain students from first semester to second or from one year to another? It's so tough getting new staff members every semester who then in the end don't even end up staying. Um, ben, mm. the other advisor, had inherited a program and inherited a really, it seems like a solid group of core students. But this year is kind of, you know, we talk about in sports, like, oh, they're having a rebuilding year. This is going to be Ben's rebuilding yeah. summer. Um, most of us have lost our kids by now or our FaceTime with perspectives. And so we're in that summer mode. What yep. are some of the, the skills or the techniques, the, the, um, the means that we have to attract people into our programs? What's some of the advice you would offer there? 
Well, I think the first thing is that we have to remember recruitment isn't a one time of a year kind of thing. It's not just when kids are signing up for classes or when the activity fair is. It's year round. So we need to be making sure that people in our schools see us, that we're visible, whether that's making sure kids on your staff are all wearing T-shirts during deadline week or um, you leave the door open when you're playing music at an after school work session so that kids are walking by going, hey, what's happening in there? Um, you have to keep in mind that recruitment happens all the time. You know, kids come into my room for a variety of reasons. And when they're not on my staff, um, I'll chat with them because I'm a friendly and interested person about different people. And I'm often kind of thinking about like, hey, what could they do on our staff or would this be a great place for them? So I see every kind of interaction as a, a possibility for recruitment. Um, I think in terms of keeping people, you know, Brittany's question about keeping them from semester to semester and year to year, um, you have to remember that you have to make time for food, family and fun. You know, like yearbook is a lot of work. Um, but if it's always about deadline, if it's always about, you know, revising for the 18th time, why would we want to invest all of our free time into it? Um, I know there's some little things that uh, make a difference to my students. Uh, we offer a varsity letter after two years on our staff. I think it's kind of silly. No one at my school wears a varsity jacket. Like, I didn't think it was very important, but I have literally heard kids say, I will take this class online over the summer, you know, personal finance, so I can take yearbook next year because I want my varsity letter. Like, it really does matter. Um, we do things like, you know, an end of the year banquet and celebrate. And we do, you know, we have a cool and scroll chapter. I know other staffs do like a staff photo shoot. So it doesn't have to be expensive or a big deal, but have start some traditions on your staff that kids can look forward to and make sure you're not just saving them for the end of the year, save some big ones for the end of the year, you know, that varsity letter, that banquet or whatever, um, field trips to conventions, you know, we, uh, get to take kids places that they don't get to go in their other classes. And so maybe that's something you can offer, even if it's a local workshop or, or state convention or something like that. Make sure that you know that you can kind of establish that press passes will open doors, whether that's to get on the sidelines and get closer to the action than anybody else can, or to go see the dress rehearsal of the production before anybody else gets to see it, you know, make sure that there are some special things reserved for your staffers, um, because I think that can keep them motivated when it's really, really busy. And in terms of recruitment over the summer, I, I think this is a prime time for recruitment. I think the most important conversation that Benjamin might want to have is with whoever does the registering of kids over the summer yep. at my school, it's counselors or the registrar. And I let them know that yearbook is a great place for kids who are moving into our community. It's a great place for kids who are moving from overseas. You know, what better way to learn about the American high school than to do this very American thing called a yearbook. Um, I let them know that we are looking for all different kinds of kids. Um, you know, it used to be that we only wanted the kids in the honors English class or, you know, only underclassmen because we wanted to have them for multiple years. But I take you know, everybody on my staff. You know, I think of myself as Ellis Island. Um, you know, I have kids, probably more kids this year who English is a second language than ever before. Um you and I both really believe strongly in, in opening our classroom doors to kids with some profound disabilities. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and so that's just simply reaching out to the the leads of those programs, the ones who do the scheduling, because unless you let them purposely know that you are interested in some of the kids in the program, they're going to think you don't want them. Um, and I believe there definitely is a place for everybody on our staff. Yeah. What does, what does Carrie say? I'm going to misquote her, but it's the, um, not your, your book isn't right for everybody. No, it's the other way around. I think I got it. <laughs> she says that we don't need everybody on our yearbook staff, but sometimes they need us, right. you know, like, um, we can be that niche for kids. And so, um, I will, while I kind of make this general appeal to the registrar or the counselor who's doing registrations over the summer, and that works pretty well at my school because we're pretty transient. So we have a lot of kids who come in. I don't have a prerequisite, so they can take my class. It, you know, it works. Um, but I also reach out to individual counselors and I found it really effective if I look at the, their list that they've been assigned and I pick one of the kids on my staff that they have and I say, hey, you know, Steven. And they go, oh yeah, Steven's great. And I go, well, I need more kids like Steven. Because again, they have this notion that I only need kids who are Pulitzer Prize winning journalists or, you know, National Geographic photographers. And I can teach any kid anything. I need kids on my staff, um, you know, and, and I need the kids who want to work hard and find their place. So I, I think getting specific with counselors can be really helpful, um, you know, and, and you find that you uh, are creating a niche for all sorts of kids when the fall comes rolls around. You know, I literally sent that email to our counselors today. Um, we have nice. eight counselors. We're a 1600 student school. And I said to them, oh, we're still we're still on intake and, and recruiting students. Here's you know three things I need you to know about our program as you're communicating to parents. And one of the things that I said um, and I'm not sure if you would say this about your program, or at least this way, but I said that joining Tesserae may be one of the single most stressful things you do in high school, but it's also likely going to be one of the most richly rewarding um, because Love I want it. to be upfront with families and students right from the steps, right from the start. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like that goes a little after Brittany's concern about, you know, your book, your book is a lot of work and sometimes kids don't know what they're getting themselves into. So I, and I'm not suggesting that you were saying this at all, but I really try to find a, a balance between like, it's, it's super cool and we're fun and we'll take, you know, right. this work for everybody. But then there's also like, are you willing to do the two Wednesday nights um, a month and the, you know, that overtime, things like that? Oh yeah. You don't want to bait and switch. You yeah. want them to know what the expectations are, but yeah. you also want them to know that it's workable. Absolutely. Like, cause they see it and they go, oh, I could never do that. I have a part-time job. And I go, well, these time people have part-time jobs too, and we can make it work because I'm going to let you know when those work nights are yep. in August. So we can, you know, work out the schedule with your boss or I'd really like to, but I play a varsity sport and I can go, well, you know, Alex and Danielle, they play varsity sports too. We can make that work and here's how we can do it. That, that makes so much sense. And I love what you said too, because it's, it's memorable. And I, I think it's a, a line that you've, uh, uh, you've used before the food family and fun is, is so perfect. Um, yeah, I, I totally stole that from my rep. My yeah. rep, Kara, is all about food, family, fun. And so sometimes it's a reminder when it's Friday and we're all like looking at each other like, eh, no, well, have we had any food, family or fun this week? Maybe right. not. Right. So maybe it's time for a minute to win it. And I literally mean a minute or maybe it's just time we like all look at a silly meme for 30 seconds or something. You know, you got to have something that um, 
lightens the mood every once in a while. And particularly, I'm lucky we don't switch classes at the semester, but if my kids could switch classes in January, they might all want to bail. It's a stressful time yes. in your book world in January and February. So Brittany, you have a, an, an enviable challenge, but I think you can do it. Yeah, and it's so important to do it early, right? And often, so that yes. it's built and dialed into your culture. We, um, you were talking about a staff shirt or uniform or hoodie or there's all, you know, staff spirit wear. We realized that we've, um, we're, as you know, about year five with Tesserae. And on year one, which was also literally the first day in a brand new building for 1,600 kids, and then also the beginning of year three, we welcomed the staff with a T-shirt. Um, that on cool. the first day of school, the t-shirts were printed and ready because sizes, um, were taken, uh, when they, uh, did the staff application at any rate, um, as my kids, let's see, two months from now are going to be into August. They're going to have a, a volume five shirt. And that's just part of what we do. And it's a nice, like you said, a nice tradition. Um, I love it. And when it's fall and you're a freshman or you're a new kid at your school, you so want to establish some identity and be a part of something and handing a kid a t-shirt on the first day. What better way to do that? Yeah. I'm going to steal that. I'm totally doing that, Mike. There you go. I like it. I like it. Happy to share. Um, <laughs> we, um, we have an audio question. Um, you and I okay. were in San Francisco, um, back yeah. in April. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting Michael Klein, uh, a new advisor, um, taking over for Crystal Kazmierski at a, uh, a very well-known and, and well-established program. Uh, the yearbook's name is yeah. Wings at Arrowhead Christian Academy. Um, they are multiple award winner, phenomenal program, big shoes to fill. I, I got the, the opportunity Huge. to talk with Michael <laughs> yeah, on, the, uh, on the show floor for a little bit. Um, let's listen for a second to his question, and then we'll come back okay. to you. Hi, my name is Michael Klein. I am the new advisor for the Wings Yearbook at Arrowhead Christian Academy. And one of the questions I have, especially as a new advisor, is kind of being dropped into a role. How do you learn quickly what you have and what you don't have, both as a staff and an advisor? Um, how do you build on the talents that are already in your staff? But then how do you begin to make your yearbook your own thing? Well, my favorite way to get to know my staff and what they're great at and what they're going to struggle with and who works best with whom um, is doing summer spreads and first week of school spreads immediately. Um, you know, I train kids how to hold a camera so they don't drop it. Um, and that's about the only upfront training we do. Everything else we do as kind of on the job training. So you're going to write a caption. Let's write a caption for this summer photo. You're going to learn how to place photos in InDesign. Let's place these first week of school photos into the InDesign spread. Um, I love the fact that, first of all, it's demonstrates right away that everything we do in your book is with the goal of being able to publish it and share it with the community. It's not for funsies. It's not just pretend you can't just settle for a C plus because you're okay with that. We're going to do it until it's right because we're going to publish it and share it. And so my returning staffers, my editors will do lay kind of the groundwork. So usually they'll have uh, been assigned the coverage of getting the photos of that summer and the back to school kinds of things, but everybody else will be working in teams to create those spreads. And by the end of probably week two, we'll have some stuff that we could actually send to the plant and print. And I very quickly figure out who's 
going to kind of rise to the top and, and take on some leadership and who maybe doesn't work great together, um, who's a great photographer and we should send them to nighttime football immediately and who's going to need some extra support. So that's one of my favorite ways to get to know quickly what you have or don't have is, is assign a really meaningful mini deadline um, for something that you can actually publish. I'd say the other thing is have lots of conversations and listen. You know, whenever I have a new principal in my building, I really respect it when they don't immediately come in and make, you know, 10 changes or say, this is how we used to do it at my school or whatever. I really love when they come in and they listen. And, you know, that's something that I think advisors have to do a lot. You have to guide the conversation often. Um, They won't know the things that they need to share with you, but I think, talking to your editors, helping them to sketch out a great plan for the first month or the first deadline, um, and really listening to them is going to show you really quickly what they have and where you kind of need to fill in some gaps. You know, I I wonder if, have you ever used the keep change stop um, structure for like kind of organization and analysis of where we are as an organization? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know about it. Tell me. It's honestly, I think it's something that I first got onto actually with our church. Um, but I've used it with my staff and it's really, really simple. What should we keep doing? What should we change how we're doing and what should we stop doing? Um, and it's a nice framework to say, like, let's stop with where we are or, Hey, we're on the cusp of a new year or, we just finished this year and we're kind of auditing ourselves as we look to the future. Um, but it provides a really, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's three very simple questions. It's certainly yeah. easy on the tongue and memorable. Keep change, stop. And, and as a um, agent of change or new kid on the block, if Michael now, by the time this podcast releases, he will have finished this year, obviously, but right. you know, still um, new to the, to the profession and new to advising. Um, I think it could be an effective tool for an advisor coming into a new situation um, and not uh, violate that that uh, space or that that culture of like, I'm, I'm new. I know what's best. I'm going to change right. everything. That's so dangerous and so fraught. Right. Well, and I love the the keep part, because so often when we think we're going to reevaluate what what worked and didn't work last year, we focus so much on the negative and. Um, that can be just as damaging. You know, if something was working really well, well, let's identify what made it work well. You know, was it that we had an editor in chief who, you know, had somebody shadow them at the first, you know, three home football games? Well, that's something for us to identify so we can make it happen again because it turned out to work really, really well. You know, so focusing on the positive as well as that you need to change or stop immediately, I think is really good too. And it, it strikes me, I'm, and you know this about me, shocker, I'm a relationships person. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and so I want to, and I feel like we're going to keep on calling back to it, but positive staff culture, you know, if you're newer to your role, I know Shannon Wolf is another um, advisor who's been posting a lot on Facebook. She asked, how can a new advisor change the culture? Just a, that, that brief question. Apparently things mm-hmm. in her program that she's inheriting were actually pretty toxic. And that reputation uh, in the school then drove down desire for enrolling in the class. So, you know, right from the get go, be it a, a t-shirt that comes with some expense or like, my gosh, hit your kids with chocolate chip cookies on the first day of school. Like they will remember right. that, right? The things that you can do to hit the ground running, uh, in, in, in positive ways, get to the kids through their stomachs, or like you said, let's dive in the deep end together and let's make and create something so that we can kind of prove to ourselves that we even can. Like, I love that. Not that 
spreads take seven weeks before they're ready for the plant. But I showed you how not to drop the camera. We're going to do a thing and we're going to do it right now. That's fantastic. I, I think, too, um, you and I have both talked to advisors who feel overwhelmed by eating the elephant. Um, sure. and, and, and I'll come back to that in a second. But there's so much that we need to change. We need to we need to write better captions and we need to come up with better editors and the room's a mess and we need to organize our cameras and it, it can just be utterly overwhelming. So yeah. you've got to either say, instead of changing 20 things, we're going to focus on three this year and call it a win. If we can tackle these three, um, right. or back to the elephant, how's the best way to eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Um, and not the whole thing at once, unless you have a flip top head. So <laughs> how, how do you, this wasn't one of the questions that came out, but it's kind of come up organically. How do you recommend to advisors in need that they prioritize and, and what to look at first? Well, I think that goes to Shannon's question about culture. Like, I think you start with what do you really value? And, and then you work backwards to what's the process. Um, I think Jim Jordan is the one who gave me this phrase of like, if you focus on people, the process will happen. Right. Like, yep. you know, cause my first inclination is always to like make a spreadsheet and organize it. And like, I'll just have a checklist and that will solve all the problems. But really that's backwards, right? Like if we focus on what do we really value, you know, on my staff, one of the conversations we just had recently with my rising editors was something we really value is that there's a place for everyone in our community in the yearbook, that we want it to be truly inclusive and representative. And even if you're not on a sport or a club or go to the pep rallies, that there's a place for you in our yearbook. Well, that's a really important value and one I can stand behind for sure. And it makes it a lot easier to have conversations throughout the year about you know, hey, I think you guys need to revisit this spread because I want to hold you to that goal we talked about and that you set for yourselves in May. You know, you said it was really important that there be a place for everyone in the yearbook. And right now I'm seeing the same 10 people over and over and over again. Right. You know, that that changes the dynamic of that conversation because my job now as an advisor is to hold you accountable and to give you the tools you need to help you reach your goals, as opposed to saying, um, what we might do in a typical traditional non-yearbook classroom of these are my, my rules and this is how things run. You know, in yearbook world, it's about helping them figure out what's the most important thing and then giving them the things they need to make it happen. So I think start figuring out what you value. You know, I really value, for example, that no senior ever be left out of my yearbook. And so I will say one thing that I am very hands-on um, in terms of being an advisor is that I will triple check the senior section of the yearbook. Um, and that's just something very important to me. I know it's important to my students too. Um, and so that's something I will make time for. Um, it's not as important to me that my desk be organized, you know? Um, <laughs> so, you know, start with what you value, what, um, what's really, really important. You know, it's important to me. We spell people's names right. It's important to me that we don't purposely hurt people's feelings. You know, those are things that are important. So that's where we're going to start. And then we're going to work on the other stuff. But yeah, you can't do everything. Um, my rep is always very big on three-year plans. You know, don't mm -hmm. think that it's always going to happen overnight. Um, so think a little bit more long-term. I think that can be helpful too. And know that 
advising is like teaching. It's just whack-a-mole. Like you hit one thing down and you think you got it and then something else is going to pop up. So, um, you know, so create a solid basis of the stuff that's really important and the other stuff will kind of figure itself out. And I want to reframe a little bit about what you said about people too. Um, and I can't remember, I feel like it came up, it might've been with Carrie or maybe it was with Jim Jordan on, on the podcast, but if you handle your people first, um, a staff that, that gets along and a staff that likes each other is going to fundamentally create a better product because they yeah. will like each other's, you know, they will, they'll just like being with each other and they, they won't begrudge an after school work session. They'll be like, Oh yeah, I got right. to go to the lab after school and we're going to put on classic rock and we're going to make, you know, spreads with Miss Percival because that's what we do and we love it. And we like mm-hmm. each other. Um, conversely, because it does cut the other way if they are at each other's throats, you'll have a hard time getting them through the door to do the work that needs to be done. And then it just becomes almost a snowball of, of negativity and it can be really hard to break that cycle. Um, yeah. So when I hear about advisors, um, I'm not sure if you've ever done this, but I, I think along the minute to win it to t-shirts to overnight retreats to let's take the staff to the ropes course that's down the road and do trust right. building activities like all of those little things uh, or big can uh, really pay off. Um, that's, that's phenomenal advice. You, you talked about um, going back to a comment that you made, uh, I think about the, those early spreads um, and how that lets some of your students shine uh, early. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about leadership and um, Laura Lockhart in one of the Facebook groups um, said, you know, aside from the students saying, quote, I'm a great leader, what kind of activities can you recommend be used to identify leaders? Um, so often all of her students and students in general do yearbook staff are new and leaders then need to be selected and identified. That seems to be a constant hurdle for her. Um, yeah. you know, we've name checked him a couple of times. I remember Jim Jordan uh, at times and my kids freaked out about this when I mentioned it, <laughs> but I feel like he, and maybe you know where I'm going to this, he would identify as editors like in October after or as a result of the first deadline, I think I have that right. Wow. He would, he, would let, he would let them kind of prove themselves out. And yeah, this is the kid who got XYZ done. Congratulations. You're the design editor. So I'm not sure if that is too extreme for you, but can you unpack for a little bit just words of advice for, for leadership? Well, I will say that this past year I, ha- I had to promote two and a half people. Somebody wasn't quite ready to take on team leadership, but um and it was just a, a variety of circumstances, a kid who had to move in October and, you know, a variety of things. Um, but I did have that first deadline to go on. And so um, my editors and I felt really confident in saying, hey, we think you can handle this, even though this isn't what you applied for, or what you thought was going to happen. And it worked out beautifully. So um, I would support it. It scares me a little bit to think I wouldn't have editors in place until October, <laughs> but God bless Jim. <laughs> um, I I do just think though that idea of giving really meaningful tasks as opposed to, um, you know, I like most advisors have my rising editors, you know, answer some questions or do some interviewing and things like that. But I will tell you that ninety nine percent of the time, I know what they're going to say because I've seen them work for at least a year. And and many of my editors, I get to see work for two or three years before they're applying for editor-in-chief, for example. So I really value what I see in action, how they talk to other people in the classroom, the work that I've seen them do, how I've seen them handle stress and, and work around deadline more than 
like she said, I'm a great leader. Well, that's great, but let's see it in action. So I think doing those early spreads um, is one thing um, I do as part of kind of a team building, but also learn how not to break the cameras. We'll do a photo scavenger hunt at the beginning of the year and we'll just randomly assign some groups together. And, you know, you get a sense of who is enthusiastic and tackling it and has a creative eye and can help the kids who maybe don't quite understand what you're asking them to do. Um, and those are really good traits to see. So I think think of some really meaningful things that you need to have done early on in the school year, taking pictures, designing those summer spreads, whatever those things are. Um, even things like we'll, we'll do a back to school mailer to help sell the book. Yep. And it's great to see who steps up and, you know, I'll just put all the materials out on the table and I'll be like, let's figure it out, you know, and you see who has the, the process in place of like, okay, well, we're going to do an assembly line and then we need somebody doing this. And, and that, you know, is something I value too. And that's not something that they necessarily would have volunteered, but you kind of get to see it in action. It strikes me too, that especially for some of the um, listeners who could be new to their labs, um, if maybe they're inheriting a program. Um, you, when you put out the call to, Hey, we need to get the lab tidy and organized uh, yes. who can come in. Uh, we'll be in after school on Tuesday from three to six. See you there. There'll be cookies. You know, if you're working with 20 kids and eight show up, I think showing yeah. up says a lot about those eight kids, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That becomes, you know, actionable, actionable data. Um, you know, to Laura's point, you, you and I have the benefit of, and, and I, listeners, please accept this in the, in the spirit that it's offered, but we have pretty well-established programs. Um, with, with, at McLean and at uh, Corn and Painted Post, the, the school knows about our programs um, right. and, and such. Um, if there are advisors listening who are dealing with a slate of 12 kids who are brand new to them, let's say in August uh, or early, early September, um, you know, talking to coaches or to um, the student council advisor who had two or three of those kids, right? Using those other human resources to kind of get the, the skinny on those kids. Um, it might sound like an obvious statement. I don't know. But maybe um, just doing a little bit of, of background search and talking to their counselors and trying to get some kind of recommendation and feel for those kids um, could be another um, strategy. I just wanted to, to plug that in. Yeah. And I would say, don't leave out the kids you do know. Um, I mean, we don't want to gossip about kids with other kids, but Hey, tell me, Alex joined our staff. Can you tell me about her? And, um, they're usually incredibly honest. I mean, my editors will tell you like, yeah, Susie's my best friend, but I don't want her on my team. Cause she is never going to make a deadline. Like my kids are usually pretty honest. So if you know a few of them and you can, uh, get some insight. Usually they know who they want to work on a group project with in an English class. And it's probably the same kid they want to work on the yearbook with. Um, you know, uh, and I wanted to interject too here, uh, your photo scavenger hunt made me think of it. Um, we've got a, a longstanding, probably eight year tradition that um, the first Saturday of school, uh, and it's a big commitment, but the first Saturday we hold a uh, retreat called 12 hours of yearbook. Um, and we run literally from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. My my uh, editors are in at 7.30 and they're done at 8.30 at night. Um, but that is a huge uh, team building uh, and skills development day. We do everything from 
you know, here's here's yearbook vocabulary 101 for our rookies to here's our photo scavenger hunt. Here's a group building game. Let's do a personality test. Um, you know, parents help out with meals. Uh, some of it is uh, the kickoff of our business ad sales. But if you advisors listening um, could give the time to it, um, we've found it to be a really effective way to start the year and make it something special that takes it outside the school. Day. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, it's so cool. It's, uh, it, it works well for us. Um, a, a student is a member, I, I'm guessing there's more than one, but uh, there's a student named Evan uh, Lemons who's been a member of one of the Facebook groups. And he was talking about a problem that they've had. Um, they've got, they work with a small staff, so caveat up front. Um, they had 10 people on their staff this past school year, and he said he's working with less, or fewer than, I should say, half a dozen um, going into next year. And with a staff that small, it sounds and feels like it's been all hands on deck all the time for Evan and, and his advisor. Um, instead of having distinct responsibilities like an editor-in-chief and a photographer, a layout designer, a copywriter, everybody's expected to do all of that. Um, and he said that, that one struggle that he had was as the only staff member with access to a DSLR camera, he was constantly in and out of the class whenever uh, a, a staff member, a, a classmate needed, you know, photos of X, Y, Z for their spread. Um, his question was, how do you establish organization and hierarchy in a staff that has equal experience um, in, in your book? And I, I would add on to that and is a small staff and let's assume, you know, a medium to larger school. Um, yeah. The scramble is real. <laughs> uh, sure. How, how do we unpack? That's a, that's a huge, huge question for Evan, but how would we unpack that a little bit? So if he has four kids on his staff, first of all, I'd say, Evan, that you can do some of this recruiting stuff that we talked about too. Like if your advisor's not doing it, walk down to the guidance office, see if there's anybody else. Um, talk to your friends. You know, I wouldn't give up yet that you only have four people, but let's say you really only have four, which is a daunting, daunting task. Um, I would say to me, you all are the editors in chief. I mean, four people, you all are having to take on ownership of lots of different aspects of this publication. That said, if you're the only one who can take great pictures, and I do think an iPhone can take some decent pictures, so they might just be, you know, um, lazy. I don't know. Like Chase Jarvis <laughs> says online, the best camera is the one you have with you. Exactly. Um, so, uh, but if, if truly you're the only one who can capture the action, um, you know, the way that I know both your and my team, uh, our yearbook stuff's work is we take the team approach. And while we do have, again, enough people that we can have some people who specialize a little bit, um, it's very typical on my staff that people will take pictures, design a spread, write captions, um, you know, all elements, uh, help to sell the book, all of that. Um, but they might not do all of it all the time. So if you are busy taking the pictures and uploading them and editing them and cropping them and writing captions for them, then yeah, it's unreasonable to think that you also are going to complete four other spreads on your own. Um, but if you're going to take the pictures, then maybe somebody else can work on the copy or the design or whatever. So I think a team approach when everybody has the same experience and you have such a tiny staff, you know, it doesn't make sense to me necessarily that if you had four people, you'd have, 
you know, this great hierarchy because you just don't have enough. So I would say team approach still, but team doesn't mean everybody off on their own doing their own spread. Team means let's play to our strengths. And it sounds like Evan's a really strong photographer. So um, that's going to be where his major contributions are. What do other people have to contribute? You know, is somebody else really gifted with words and they're going to really tackle the copy and the captions head on? Somebody else, a really great designer. There's a, a follow-up question from an advisor, um, Teresa Hutchinson Neimeyer, uh, if I've got that name right. She said, do you assign students pages start to finish, photos, captions, headlines, interviews, the whole thing? Or do you have in you know slots the crew of photographers, the crew of writers, the crew of designers? Um, she's done both. There's pros and cons to both. But she struggles that because it's a class, um, depending mm-hmm. on the model she uses, she gets to a point where students, quote, don't have anything to do at certain times. Um, that's a two-layer uh, question. You just want yeah. to team, because you, um, you and I are experts at figuring out stuff people can do at times. We'll get into that. But I was going to say, yeah, that one's easy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, clean, clean the microwave. No, uh, <laughs> we'll get there in a second. Um, let's unpack that that team um, talk that you were just kind of responding to Evan with, um, because I know you and I have... I think we both use different structures at different times, but kind of have mm-hmm. the way that we do it now. Um, I, I, I'm going to go first and then let you yeah. pick it up. I, we used to operate at West High in my previous school for a time with, you know, these are the six photographers. That's all they do. These are the six copywriters, which also meant interviewers. This is all they do. These are the six designers, so to speak. And um, to make a spread, we would like, grab you know one from column a the photo bucket or in one from column b the the design bucket one from column c the copy bucket put them together and say for this deadline you guys are creating this spread together but it was understood culturally that the photographer really only shot and once they had shot they were quote unquote done and my oh my did we let that go and we have moved on (laughs) Um, now i think you and i have a, a similar I believe a, a similar approach. Yeah. We, we do go teams and my charge to them is get the spread done, play to your strengths, yes. but get the spread done. It's the four of you working on this together. You know what the quote unquote thing is that is, that is a spread, which is to say a spread constitutes headlines, copy packages, da, 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 da. Once you've been instructed how to do that, you as a team make the decisions you need to get it done within the given time. Right. Yeah, exactly. And while I do think everybody, you know, based on your program and your experience and your comfort level, there's different ways of organizing. I really firmly believe in the team approach for a variety of reasons. Number one, I think that's, it most closely mimics the real world um, and our workplaces. Um, I think, you know, I talk about my yearbook besties and my yearbook bro. Um, I work better with other people. So why wouldn't we assume that kids do? Um, I used to think that, you know, a kid leaving my classroom to go do an interview only one at a time because what good things could happen if two of them went. Now they always go in pairs because they, you know, one of them is writing down notes. Somebody else is recording on their iPhone. Somebody thinks of a question when the other one can't think of it. Um, We are just always so much better together. Um, It also helps because, you know, stuff is going to happen. A kid's going to get mono. Uh, Somebody's going to have to go to a funeral or a college visit or, you know, stuff happens. And unfortunately, you know, our deadlines don't move. So, what are we going to do to make sure we still have the best 
spread possible. Well, if you're working in a team approach, it's not that hard because you've been working together. People are going to pick up the slack um, because that's what we do, because that's who we are, right? Um, where if it was just mic spread, then maybe it would have sat and people wouldn't have even noticed it wasn't getting done for a while, you know? So keeps us accountable. It keeps us on track when stuff happens. Um, it mimics the real world and it can bring out the best in, in us. So exactly what you said. I mean, my students figure out for themselves how they want to divide that up. So um, a team during a typical deadline might have four or five spreads and they might, you know, have three kids working on this one and two kids working on this one, or they might have one kid doing the photography for all of them. I really don't care as long as it gets done, as long as people are all pulling their weight and they really hold each other accountable. I think having a strong team leader helps that happen. You know, my best team leaders aren't necessarily the best yearbookers. They don't have to be the best designer. They don't have to be the best writer. They're the kid who can stay on top of things, who can delegate, who can check in, who probably has pretty good social skills. Um, but um, yeah, I just firmly believe that our yearbooks have gotten so much better when we move to the team approach. And I just don't see us ever going away from it. And I think our students are graduating from our program as better all around students and better all around journalists um, and, and uh, creators and consumers of, of media too. And, and what I mean to say, and I, I don't think it's too like grandiose a thought, but having them roll through uh, a team's worth of responsibilities where at any given time, it, you, you cannot say in my lab, uh, I, I can't go do that interview. I don't know how to interview. Whereas like seven years mm -hmm. ago, when we were differentiated, um, a photographer arguably could have said that had I let them. Uh, so if a kid leaves our program, they, they have interviewed and they have shot um, their nine sport events a year because that's an expectation on our staff of three per season, a minimum. Um, mm -hmm. They have in all likelihood contributed to design. Now, it's not to say that kids don't gravitate to things that they're good at and talented at and enjoy, but sure. that baseline expectation we've trained you to do all of all three of these broad areas and we expect you to be able to engage um, with them at, at any point at any time. Well, I want kids to be invested and excited about the final product. We do something after we submit our spring supplement. Um, I'll take all of our JPEGs of all of our pages and put them into a PowerPoint. And we have like a, a premiere party. We pop popcorn and we look at it and I never hear a kid say, that's the caption I wrote. Like no one gets excited about that, but they'll be like orange team rocks, you know, like right. they celebrate what they were a part of, not their one quote that they were able to get in an interview, you know, like, so I think that's motivating too. I want to, um, Oh, do we want to address the, what if somebody doesn't have anything to do? Well, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> yes. So, so, uh, one of one of my favorites is go help the reference section. Um, yeah, because there should be consumable journalistic content on every spread of the book. Arguably, maybe not in the ads section, although that I see that change um, some. But if you're on, you know, your third spread of junior mugshots, there better be a little mod in there somewhere, a little coverage package on, you know, the two juniors who. Uh, repainted their car or who knows what yeah. There's literally millions of different stories we could tell. So that's an easy pickup for me. Well, we call those things evergreen, evergreen topics. Covers, like right. yep. you never know, you know, 
there's always somebody having a birthday. There's always someone with a job. There's always somebody with a family or a pet, you know, and it might end up in the index. It might end up as a mod on the junior page. Who knows? Um, but I've never been disappointed that we had too much content. So that's definitely my go-to, but I do keep a running list of things to do. Um, we, a lot of them are sales and marketing related because, yep. you know, we work really hard on making this book. We want to get it in the hands of people. Um, we do kind of a mini version of what you do an amazing job of, which is service journalism. Um, right. Very recently, we've been redesigning the freshman curriculum booklet because it oh, was perfect. ridiculously ugly and not helpful. Um, we just re thanks to your podcast, Mike, we have had a photographer of the day. So we've been updating our Instagram. Um, I think another thing is that most books could improve their academics coverage. So if I have a kid who literally can't think of anything to do, put a camera in their hands or their phone, go cover a class. There's a class somewhere right now, right. you know, um, and if you're worried about interrupting classes, you know, PE is usually pretty am amenable to having us pop in or something. So go practice your photography skills, go get some photos that, Again, maybe we can use them on a reference page, an academics page, an index page, who knows. Yep. Um, but there's always something. And when, you know, you can look to the professional press for great copy or design examples and translate them and have a, a mod design ready to go for next deadline. And then literally, if you can't find anything to do, you can clean the microwave and right. wipe down the tables. And Let's, um, there's want, always something. <laughs> I want to go back to your professional example. Um, sometimes um, you and I, talk and it's totally totally fine sometimes we talk in lingo a little bit um, oh, sorry. It, no it's totally fine um for the listeners what megan was talking about there is you know if if you go into let's say um cosmo or espn the magazine I give examples for both in cosmo there might be this neat coverage package about um four uh actresses favorite lipsticks and you could say wow that's a neat inspiration piece let's talk about for seniors' favorite lipsticks, well, you could do that, but you could also say, wait, forget lipsticks. Let's talk about four seniors' favorite milkshakes at the local ice cream shop. And it's the just that translation from lipstick mm -hmm. to milkshake. You kind of put it in the yearbook blender and make it work for you. Um, there's examples of that all over the professional media. And it's a great way to develop a library, as Megan said, that, that then is kind of a go-to, a grab bag, a break glass in case of emergency. Ah, what are we going to put in this corner of the spread? Oh, let's yeah. do that lipstick thing, but let's make it um, the top three songs on your um, on your iTunes, iPhone, you know, playlist. Um, that's huge. Um, I don't know if you do this, Megan, but there is a phenomenal Twitter account to follow uh, for <clears throat> your book staffs and advisors. It's National Day Cal, C-A-L, like calendar, National Day Cal. And it is the national calendar or nationally day sorry national day calendar so you mean if it's like ice cream day exactly or something? you celebrate nice. every day with the original national day that it is so june 12th um tomorrow we're recording this on the evening of the 11th june 12th hold on to your hat is national <laughs> loving day uh, I'm, I'll leave that <laughs> uh, it's also national red rose day nice corollary it's yeah. National Jerky Day, so stock up on beef jerky. <laughs> it is National Call Your Doctor Day. And oh. my personal favorite, I just went here in the last 30 seconds, it is National Peanut Butter Cookie Day. 
Oh, um, yeah. June 12th. So um, <laughs> as it goes, all the laughs aside, as it goes to evergreen coverage, if your students are like, oh, like, you know, especially, oh my gosh, especially if you're doing a chronological course, yes. right? <laughs> and you need like, you need something that hits every three or four spreads and is a little bit routine. Maybe this is, um, you know, an assignment that you give to a student who um, needs a little bit more support, maybe a little bit more structure and guidance as they're right. developing coverage. Hey, Joey, it's time for you again. Go do two National Day mods, coverage packages, um, and then Joey brings that back to you. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. love that. So National at National Day Cal pro tip. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, definitely. I got to go follow them. All right. Um, another <laughs> great one for students that need something to do is to update hit lists, right? Um, yeah. Uh, we list. call it the we love you too much list. Please be careful about using the words blacklist or hit list. Yeah, or, or dead list, <laughs> which is what we used to call yeah, it. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, we love you too much. We, we love you too so much. much. And, and what mm -hmm. we're talking about here is making nicey-nice with, uh, I'm not sure where you source yours, but ours is from Ms. Burroughs, one of our um, guidance office secretaries. Um, and she can run us uh, in a tab separated or the, it's a spreadsheet version of our mm -hmm. enrollment report. And we drop that into a Google Doc. And every time um, we, we use Ryan Burns as the example, because Ryan Burns is a, a fantastic kid. He's a lacrosse superstar for us. So we know we're going to mention Ryan Burns a lot. He's involved in a lot of student groups and activities. Every time Ryan Burns gets mentioned, we put a little note next to his name on this spreadsheet. And once we get one or two notes, we start paying attention. If somebody else is like, hey, well, we could interview Ryan Burns for that. Uh, no, for that chemistry no, you lab. can't. We say, no, 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 you have to check the we love you too much list first to find out who's eligible for coverage. I know you use some common or similar um, tactics. Do you want to unpack that a little bit more for listeners? Yeah, we use our publisher's uh, index builder and run it all the time. Um, it helps us catch names that are misspelled, um, but it also shows us who we're covering way too much really quickly. Um, and we definitely, when we're doing those evergreen topics or our index coverage, things like that, um, we're looking to people who only have one number after their name, which means they're mugshot, right? So we definitely make that a priority when it comes to, do you like peanut butter cookies? You know, let's find the person who we don't love too much yet, you know, and we both work at, at pretty big schools. So, you know, there's plenty of people we need to go and seek out. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great use of uh, people's time when they feel like they don't have anything to do. And, and let me drop some obvious comments here. It drives me absolutely insane when, and I love my staff, I love them like sons and daughters, <laughs> when they settle and they go after yeah. the kid that's going to make all county for first chair flute with a perfect score and they ask her about National Peanut Butter Cookie Day, I'm like, are you crazy? Like, we know that there's, and, and, and at the same time, I kind of hate saying this this way, but we know that we're going to cover her in music land or at the very least, there's a very, right. very, very, very high chance. So can we please get some of these undercovered, underincluded students who, you know, and, and granted, you could come back at me and say, but Mike, if they're that undercovered, like, should their one shining moment be their astounding peanut butter cookie uh, take? Hey, it's a step in the right direction. Exactly. And you might find yes. out that they are a peanut butter chef and then you have a profile waiting to happen. You know, exactly. I always want my kids to go with an open mind when they're going and asking these questions that maybe are 
have very little consequence, but, you know, actually have a conversation. Don't just say, do you like peanut butter cookies? Yes. Thank you. Bye. Um, you know, have a conversation and you might learn something really fascinating about them. Maybe they have a fatal peanut allergy and they almost died last year. Okay. Well, that might be a compelling story. Right. I don't know. Let me um, dial into, this could be a lot of work for an advisor and, and I've not done this, but I've pondered it a lot uh, and, and often. If you have, like I have, students who, again, settle, and when they need to go out and get their, you know, somebody's hot take on homecoming, they're more likely to go to their friend or a friend of a friend. If at the beginning of the year, you did a little census with your staff and you said, please write down the names of the 10 people who you're closest with in this building or something like that. And you compiled all those names. This would take like an afternoon, but I honestly think it could be worth it. And let's yeah. say on your we love you too much list, you I'm assuming a Google spreadsheet because we like online solutions. I do mm-hmm. that my list of students who my staff has told me is essentially their friends. You know, let's highlight all their names in like bright purple and or do some kind of notation in the spreadsheet so that if a student sees a name in bright purple that is known kind of only within the lab, because I don't want to you know, make it a thing, a negative. But hey, those purple names are kids that our staff is tight with. Let's stay away from those kids as often as much as we can. Because you and I have both seen staffs totally settle and, and cover their yeah. friends first and most. And it's super, super annoying. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what, I used to do that a long, long time ago, back when it was like a note card, and I would ask them. Um, I don't remember exactly why I stopped doing it. So it might be time to bring it back. Yeah. And I love just a note that, you know, we used to use, we did call it a hit list, but I love your, we love you too much list. Our, we love you too much list was printed and and put up on our wall. Um, Yeah. I like that my kids can access it via a Google spreadsheet, you know, on a Saturday afternoon or something like that. If they're planning coverage for the week ahead, I really like digital solutions. So we are very much a Google docs uh, program. So. I have to say we are too, um, but I do like the printout because actually, you know, I teach my other classes in the lab and they, kids love to see their name on it. They're like, oh, I'm so- on the, we love you too much list. Yeah, like, it. have you bought your yearbook? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and so then that brings us to thing 99 that you can do with staffs who tell or students who tell you, I don't have anything to do. You, uh, well, why don't you unpack that? You're cross-referencing data against another list, aren't you? Against the buyer list, there of course. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and it's not even just always the number of times, like if we know there's this amazing, gorgeous opening photo on page three of, you know, Bobby Smith and Bobby Smith hasn't bought a yearbook yet. We're going to target him. We're going to be like, there's this amazing photo of you. Um, we're also going to let Bobby's mom know about it, you know? Um, so yeah, for sure. Targeted sales, I think are great. Um, and now that most publishers and even our school district now allows people to buy online with a credit card, you know, targeting them with an email so they can just immediately from their computer, click, 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 and they bought is absolutely the best thing. Yeah. You know, nobody has to write a check anymore. Right. Right. Um, we are, we're, we're coming up on a full hour, um, of this conversation. And so I've got to think about wrapping it up, uh, for saying yeah. our viewers. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about journalism and journalistic books because, um, our friend, this, the student Evan Lemons had a question and it was also, um, shared by uh, Sherry Nelson, an advisor who uh, works with a small staff that meets, uh, after school. Um, Evan's question was, uh, my advisor, 
doesn't place a lot of emphasis on copy and pushes us to fit uh, 10 to 20 pictures on a single page. I'm, and I'm going to take that as page and not spread. So let's oh, wow. hedge. I'm, I'm going to take it as he wrote it. Um, he feels that his pages are kind of boring. Um, how does a student work with an advisor or, or what can we tell to advisors in general that at their core, um, your books are not picture books, but the story of our school and require then verbal coverage. And that was Evan's question. Sherry's question was, um, our book, again, has always been a picture book. I'm trying to slowly push my staff to include more verbal coverage. How can I encourage this? Where do we develop and where do we go first? And I'm going to guess that you're going to agree that it's a captions first game. And oh, yeah. So to, I love a really good, well-written caption. Right. And, and, and if staffs can't write or don't have a history of putting together really good uh, copy in your book stories. Mm -hmm. Let's start small and manageable. So let's talk captions a little bit. Is would you agree that that's a great place to start? Do you see it differently? Uh, uh, no, absolutely. Because there is kind of a formula. I mean, obviously you want to play with it as you get more experienced in it. But um, I, you know, I always teach the ABC formula for captions. Do you do that too? I, I don't use that structure, uh, but we do have. Oh, okay. So go ahead. So A stands for action. The first sentence is in present tense. It describes the action in the photo without stating the obvious. It always has to pass the no duh test. Like, yep. don't tell me that a person's holding a basketball when I can obviously see they're holding a basketball. Um, the B stands for background. It's the second sentence and it's in past tense. And it shows evidence of reporting. Like, even if I was at that basketball game or at that concert, tell me something I wouldn't already know about that event or that person or that experience. Um, and that's a great way to give your readers just something they wouldn't already know. Right. And then C stands for consequence um, or context. Um, it's usually a quote in our book, but it can be some extra kind of statistics or kind of setting the stage. But almost always it's a quote in our book where it lets us know what that meant to them or why it was significant or um, how they felt about it. Again, we want them to say something that nobody else could say about it. So quotes aren't facts. It wasn't, you know, I went to the dance on Friday. Well, the dance was on a Friday. That's a fact. But um, something that only they could reveal. So the ABCs, action, background, consequence, you teach this, you teach about, you know, it's present tense for the first sentence, past tense, and then a quote. And then you can kind of mix them up and um, you have some really good start to journalistic uh, your booking if you have great storytelling captions for every picture in your book. And let's add in a couple uh, uh, soft caveats. I'm assuming that you'd agree with sports that B or C portion should re uh, include some kind of statistic or result. Yeah, absolutely. Did they score? What was what was the outcome of the game? Who were they playing? Right. And um, sometimes if, if space doesn't allow, I know because you just described a three-part caption, um, we, we run our captions as blocks uh, so that they yeah, kind of become a, a design element. Um, I'm not going to say gone are the days, but flexed are the days where uh, it was written that captions had to touch the picture that they correspond to. Um, so, yeah. So we have a, you know, our, our caption block for viewers. I know that a podcast a, a verbal medium, but imagine, you know, it's, it's, uh, let's say two inches wide and four inches high and has, uh, you know, six captions in it. Each caption starts with a little number and that number corresponds to a little number that's perhaps floating in the corner of the picture overlaid. Um, it's a very basic take on how to 
help provide some reader services so your uh, audience knows how to navigate the page. Yeah. And your captions like ours usually start with a kicker or a mini headline. Again, another way to bring design into that caption block and a good reader aid. If I want to find the third caption, you know, I can quickly glance and see it. Right. And I'd like to highlight how well you articulated too, Megan. You know, if we talk about the journalistic who, what, when, where, why and how, um, you know, the front side is is some of that. Uh, what and when by oh my gosh please like tell us when this thing happened and 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 you know the the time of year specific to the date any of that um but the the why and the how the impact stuff comes on the back end and it's kind of the yes. commentary uh, but it's so 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 important to include um and it really helps flesh out round out the, the story of the year um you know to, to Evan's question about how to justify it to an advisor who doesn't see things the same way. And it sounds like they, they want to sustain a, a picture book. When I look yeah. back at my, um, we were the, uh, we were the Tomahawks, um, at, that was literally our mascot was a Tomahawk at Merrimack oh. high school, Merrimack, <laughs> New Hampshire. Um, our yearbook was the, I think it's the echo yearbook. I was not part of the staff. I was, um, I was the drum major of the marching band, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> They, they seldom included any captions, um, and I think there's an emphasis of including captions, particularly on the sports pages. Um, but when I look back at my book from 1996, it's really scattershot, um, really obvious copy. You know, the, the team worked hard right. this year, and everybody gave it all 24-7, really just kind of. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the student life coverage, um, to my recollection, I, I have to go pull my book out, but was really just just wall-to-wall pictures and no context at all. And I, when I sit down with my kids, uh, my, my children these days, um, and they say, hey, Dad, that's funny. You had a lot of hair back then. I said, yeah, that's about <laughs> all I can remember about this picture because there's no caption to it at all. Um, yeah, you don't know what the theme of Homecoming was or right. how much people spent on a movie ticket. You know, I love being able to sprinkle those kind of historical markers Um my kids don't think of them that way, but I don't remember how much I used to pay for gas. And right. now I'm getting upset that it's almost $3 a gallon. Like what did I used to pay? Um, you know, what movie was I super excited to see? Um, all those little bits and details can really make your book journalistic, a historical record. Um, and it's not that hard once you kind of know the formula to, to start. I would say to Evan's question of how does he address his advisor who doesn't agree. Um, I would say do it the journalistic way. Show, don't tell, you know, show examples of what you're talking about. Um, your publisher can probably be a great resource. They probably create a lookbook or they can get you some nationally award-winning books to kind of show um, your advisor. You can find examples from professional press. But I think if you know, I do that with my students all the time, too. It's one thing for us to say it, and we kind of think we know what that means, but show your advisor what you're talking about. What do you mean by moving to a journalistic? Maybe in her mind, she thinks you're talking about, you know, doing 1,000-word essays, and I think that's not a great idea either. So, you know, make sure that you're you're speaking the same language and you're on the same page by showing her the things that you're talking about. Um, and I would just say that, you know, uh, lots of pictures are great and journalistic captions are great and long form narrative can be great. It's really about the story, right? Like what story do you want to tell and finding the right medium for it? And so I think if you could start with, these are the stories we want to tell, this is how we think we can best tell them. 
um, that might change the conversation a little bit from we just don't want to do it the way you told us to. Right, right. Well, listen, Megan, there's, I know there's still a couple of questions that you and I had, uh, had taken a, a look over before we started talking uh, just to get ready for today. But I think that we might have to just have you back for part two of Advisor Potpourri. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, All right. I, I'm really <laughs> grateful for you coming on the, the Yearbook Wise podcast and for offering your expert, expertise and experience um, to, to advisors. And I think um, if I could put you on the spot, um, you know, we are now fully in June and, and uh, one of my students wrote 99 days till the first day of school today. I was like, what are you ah! doing? Right? <laughs> it's not the way that it's supposed to be doing or done. Um, but, but kind of last words or, or let you have the floor and, and, and last word on the podcast for those advisors who are, let's say in their first or second, maybe third year, um, when they enter the labs, uh, in August and September, what are some, some words of, of, of comfort or encouragement you have if they're just feeling right now, utterly overwhelmed? Sure. Well, one thing I will say is, um, if it's not on your book besties now, I'll make sure it is soon. Um, I have a, a checklist of things that can be done before you leave school, um, over the summer and right before school starts. And then in that first month, um, so it's a pretty exhaustive list and I don't usually check off everything on it, but it might be a good starting point, um, just to kind of know, you know, have we scheduled our photographers for our underclassmen photos? Um, you know, those kinds of things that you want to make sure are on your calendar and don't get missed if you're brand new. Um, that might be helpful. So I'll make sure that's up on besties here in the next day or two. Um, the other thing I would say is go in with some confidence that the things that work for you in your other classroom or in your previous career or in life in general, um, you don't throw all those away when you become a yearbook advisor. I think so many people think of advising as this really crazy, strange animal. And the things that make you a great teacher, whether that's because you're super organized or you're creative or you know how to connect with kids, those are skills that are going to translate into being a great advisor too. So don't think that it's all brand new. There certainly are things that are different. And I think it's the thing that you and I and, and my best yearbook friends um, love about it the most, that it is so um, ever-changing and dynamic and challenges us in ways that our other jobs don't, but, but it's not totally different, um, either. So know that if you feel comfortable, uh, organizing a unit in your biology class or your English nine class, um, or your AP psych class, if you're me, um, that, that, skill is pretty transferable to starting to organize a deadline. You know, it's backwards design. So just don't think that you have, that you're starting absolutely from scratch. You're not. And the other thing I would say is that the yearbook community is so amazing. And there are so many people who want to help you succeed. Um, your rep is one of them. They want nothing more than for you to have a great successful year and to want to come back. Um, you know, there's, people like Mike who are making this amazing podcast for you and, um, and, you know, reach out to people in your state associations and things. Um, I, I am always happy to talk to people um, and, you know, just be a sounding board or share a lesson or something that's worked for me in the past um, because people have done that for me in my 19 years over and over and over again. So um, reach out when you need it, but also know that the skills that 
were working for you in other parts of your life are probably going to transfer and do as much as you can over the summer, but also take some time to relax and take care of yourself because it's going to be a busy year. Absolutely. And Megan, I'd like to, if, if I may include some contact information for you in the podcast description. Is that okay? Absolutely. Great. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, friends, um, you, you have just witnessed the greatness that is my dear, dear friend, Megan Percival. She is uh, an advisor whisperer, and I hope that uh, you found uh, what she had to share with you um, useful and, and do recognize the uh, opportunity that you've got to, to engage with Megan and, and get some of those additional resources at uh, theyearbookbesties.com. Uh, it's a phenomenal resource. And, and Megan, once again, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so there's a lot to think about there. We uh, we got into everything from captions to finding your editors to developing team-based structures and organizing your staff, talking about developing a, a positive staff culture and, and food, family, and fun, uh, recruitment, change in programs. There's just a, a ton there to, to unpack and reflect on, and uh, I hope that you're able to, to apply it and make use of it in your own labs. Um for sake of, of wrap-up and, and wanting to let you know what's up with the podcast, uh, here's a couple things that we've got in the, in the pipeline that I'm excited to share with you. In uh, another week or so, I'm going to have an episode uh, featuring staff members from the Columbia Scholastic Press Association and National Scholastic Press Associations uh, to talk about their organizations and the, uh, the memberships and the benefits and uh, everything from critiques to awards and kind of unpacking and demystifying some of that. If you've not taken that plunge, uh, I think you'll find it uh, helpful information as you figure out uh, what it could mean to your program to be a member of, of one of those two national uh, uh, press associations. There are certainly state and local level ones as well, and, and you should investigate those and, and those opportunities for your staff. Um, following on that, I'm going to have two yearbook middle school all-stars, uh, Ali Staub and uh, Laura Zhu. They were named the 2018 JEA Distinguished Yearbook Advisors of the Year. They are uh, best advising buddies, I think best friends just out in the real world, and uh, two yearbook superstars who are going to talk all things middle school yearbook. Uh, so I think you're, you can look forward to that, especially if you are a, a middle school yearbook advisor out there. And uh, next in the series of um, conversations with with the HL Hall Yearbook Advisor of the Year uh, past award winners is going to be 1996's Jim Jordan. You heard us talk about Jim and invoke his name. He was a guest on one of my earliest uh, episodes when we talked about conventions, and it'll be uh, wonderful to have him back and talk about uh, his career and passions and maybe some of the projects that he's working on right now. Now listen, I did not preview this in the opening, but I want to give you a copy of the 2018 Tesserae yearbook, uh, my student's book. We've got uh, just a, a handful of uh, spare copies in the lab, and I'd like to get one to you. But I need you to do something for me. Um, we're a dozen episodes in. Um, the response has been um, so overwhelming and, and positive. Uh, I'm really grateful to all of you who are listening, uh, but I know that uh, we can do better, and, and I very much want to do better. So I'm going to ask you to take what probably won't be more than a, maybe a three- or a five-minute survey. And, and people who do that, if you elect to leave your name and address uh, on or around July 1st, I'm going to uh, use a, a random number generator and, uh, and, and choose three random winners to receive copies of the, uh, the 2018 test rate. Uh, it's an online survey. Here's the link. It's tinyurl.com slash 
T-Y-W survey. That's the yearbook wise survey. So tinyurl.com slash T-Y-W survey. Again, won't take you more than three, maybe five minutes to complete, get some feedback about uh, where you are uh, listening from and uh, things that you'd like to hear on the podcast. I do ask you a couple questions about your own program so I can understand more about uh, the listeners and subscribers out there. You can find the YearbookWise podcast on Twitter at, at YearbookWise. That's Yearbook, W-H-Y-S. And you can, as always, reach out to me at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. It's always a pleasure to get uh, emails asking for more information uh, or for critique. There's been some of it, and I'm so grateful uh, to those of you who are uh, giving me ways that we can do more and better. So thank you for that feedback. And uh, certainly it's nice to hear uh, through uh, an Apple iTunes review or something like that, that you're uh, out there listening and enjoying the podcast. Please do share it with others. Uh, As we slip into mid-June here, friends, I I wish you well. If you are wrapped up for the summer and uh, out on downtime, uh, enjoy it. If uh, any of you like me are in the last throes of finals, uh, hang in there. The end is in sight, the finish line right around the corner. But until next time, my friends, be well, good luck. We'll talk soon. We'll be right back.